In the passage we read this morning in Revelation, uh, the 12th chapter, the 10th and the 11th verses, this is in the midst of kind of a flashback of uh, an event that happened back at the very beginning of time almost uh, when there was a war in heaven and Satan was cast down. And if you recall, after Jesus sent out the 70 disciples and they came back rejoicing because in his name, demons had to leave and those who were ill were healed. And uh, it's at that time he said, I saw Satan cast down like lightning from heaven. He was there and he saw this event when Satan was cast down. And so that meant that Satan was here on earth. And there was a way that those who were here on earth were going to be able to overcome the devil. And we read that today. It says, and they overcame by the blood of the lamb and their testimony. And so this passage from Revelation speaks to us about how we are supposed to be living and how we avail ourselves to the power of God in living in this dark world where uh, things are not perfect yet. And they won't be until Satan is totally defeated and he will be one of these days. But uh, in right now we're living in this in-between time and Jesus ushered in, you see, the kingdom of God. Whenever he said, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. The signs and wonders showed the signs and wonders that Jesus performed showed that the kingdom of God was beginning to appear on earth. And now then it appears in us as we wind up being made whole again, being washed and cleansed through the precious blood of the lamb and walking in the power that is ours only through the precious blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's some great misunderstandings. As I was thinking about this this morning, I remembered a, a story I heard about a, a young lady that loved to spend money and shop and she ran out of money and she still wanted to do some shopping. So she decided that she was going to start doing odd jobs. So she put on some work clothes and a work cap and uh, just uh, started going door to door knocking, seeing if she could be a handy woman. And uh, she knocked on this one door and this guy decided he's going to take advantage of this situation because his porch needed painting terribly. And so it says, why, yeah, 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 I can use some help. I need my porch painted. And um, how much will you, how much will you charge to paint my porch? She said, oh, oh about $50. So that's great. That's great. Okay. Now all the paint, the brushes, everything that you need is out there in the garage. You just go out there and take care of it and come back around whenever you're through and I'll pay you. She has gone about an hour and she came back, said, okay, it's done. Give me my money. And he said, boy, you are quick. I'm just impressed at how quickly you got that done. Here's your money. He said, oh yeah. And by the way, that wasn't a porch. That was a Lamborghini. 
Okay. A Lamborghini's a car, folks. I just went. Okay. So the thing is, there's some miscommunication there. She didn't really get, I don't know if she wasn't saying things right or if he wasn't saying things right or if uh, she just wasn't hearing things right or what. But there was a miscommunication. And because of the miscommunication, a terrible tragedy occurred, didn't it? A terrible tragedy. Well, I'm sad to say that in our country today, there have been some things that have been misheard. We will hear about the precious blood of Jesus, and yet there are people that don't think it's necessary. There are people that get angry whenever you talk about the cross. They don't think that we need salvation. They say, well, God loves us, and he wouldn't do this to anybody, and, and that's just it. He's made it clear the way to be his it says in John, the third chapter, to those that, I'm sorry, the first chapter, I believe it is, that those who received him, to them he gave power to become children of God. Not to everybody, no matter what, but to those who receive him. And they don't, and the thing is, in receiving him, that's receiving what he did for them. And today, what I want us to look at is just how important the blood of Jesus is. It's not something that uh, is just a, was a passing fad or something that we have outgrown. Uh, I know there are people that think that uh, the Christian faith is supposed to be changing some way, that we are evolving and that we don't need certain things anymore. God is eternal. His word is eternal. His son is eternal and things don't change like people seem to think they want that they, they, they well, like they want them to. Let's just put it that way. I remember my first boss in church work was one of these people that thought that everything was going through the, in, in uh, church and in the, our country, in the world, that everything was evolving toward a wonderful time. And he really thought that whenever we got to a certain point that people by just getting so good and so advanced that we start just loving each other and that this world would be just wonderful and everybody would get along. There'd be no more war and things like that. And that we would be to a place to where we would just be living in a utopia here on earth. And to him, that's what the kingdom of God was was us just getting so good that we were nice to each other. Well, for a while that was kind of, you know, even during that time, the Cold War was going on. I mean, it was bad. And I remember in a, in a, being in a class with him. He was talking about uh, how uh, the, the, whole, the whole thing was getting straight about the Bible. And he was trying to talk about how the Bible was just a bunch of fairy tales and stuff like that in church. And uh, anyway, I just happened to say, but you know, whenever you read the Bible, isn't it just wonderful how you see that things are the same today as they were back then? And that the same things apply today that apply back then because we haven't changed. 
even though a thousand years or 3,000 years might have occurred since David was around, things haven't changed. And he just got all upset. Says, oh, yes, they have. People have changed. I'm taller than my parents and I don't have as much hair as my dad, and my mom. And, and he sort of said, yeah. And I said, yes, yes. But the human heart. Yeah. Yeah. There may be some adaptations and some things like that. But the human heart is still the same. David lusted. People still fight with lust. People sinned all through scripture. People still sin today. The things of the spirit have not changed. They are as fresh today as they were 3,000 years ago when some of these things were written. And one of the things that is so prevalent in scripture is the importance and the power of the blood of Jesus. And his blood, as the song says, will never lose its power. And so I want us to look at the blood of Jesus, first of all, because it says that they overcame by the blood of the lamb, first of all, and then by their testimony. So first of all, these are our two tools for overcoming the devil in the world today. First of all, the blood of the lamb. There's a scarlet thread that runs through the Bible from the first chapter to the very last of the first book to the last book of the Bible. The scarlet thread of redemption is one of the common things. And that's why Jesus using their Bible of that day, the Old Testament could take his uh, disciples and sit them down and show that all of script, the Old Testament pointed to him. And so just to look at a few of these things, I gave you a handout and I'm not going to go through all the different things uh, in the handout this morning, but uh, you can follow along with me in that order. And first of all, all the Bible is about Jesus Christ and his redemptive blood. And you'll find this scarlet thread from beginning to end. First of all, there was the promise of the blood and the foretelling of the blood, the prophecy of the blood of Jesus being shed for us. It begins in the very beginning with Cain and Abel. And isn't it amazing that the first murder was connected with a worship service? Isn't that just incredible? People have been fighting over how to worship God since the very beginning. And the thing is, is that Cain offered a sacrifice that was the fruit of the ground. Abel had discovered that what was acceptable to God was an animal sacrifice. And uh, so he uh, wound up, he sacrificed, so Abel sacrificed animals. Cain sacrificed fruit, vegetables, things like that. God accepted Abel's sacrifice and Cain knew what he should do. He knew that he should offer an acceptable sacrifice. And do you see, just like we have, people have trouble accepting that the blood of Jesus is important today. Cain, way back there at the very beginning, 
He couldn't accept the fact that God wouldn't accept whatever he offered to him. There, there was a specific sacrifice that he wanted. And so Cain got angry. And whenever Cain got angry, the Lord came to him and said, if you do what's right, won't your countenance be lifted up? And then he said, but be careful because sin waits at the door. And so what did Cain do? Did he offer an acceptable sacrifice? No, in his stubbornness and his pride, he killed his brother. Before that, I failed to mention that Adam and Eve, whenever they uh, sinned, God shed innocent blood in order to make clothes to, for them from animal skins. And this is a picture of the covering of righteousness that we receive when we receive what Jesus did for us on the cross through his precious blood. Well, Abraham and Isaac, God told Abraham to sacrifice his long-awaited son, Isaac. And just before Abraham plunged the dagger into Isaac's heart, an angel stopped Abraham and Abraham saw a ram caught in a thicket. And Isaac was set free. But an innocent animal's blood was shed instead. Again, a picture of Jesus' life being taken in the place of ours so we could live. When God wanted to deliver his people from bondage in Israel, from the land of Egypt on the night of the Passover, God instructed each house to slay a lamb and to put the blood on their door. And God says in Exodus 12, 13, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. If there were any Israelites that decided that that was silliness, they lost a child that night because God means what he says and he says what he means. And he said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And that was again was a picture of whenever he sees the blood appropriated by us as the full and perfect sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. He passes over us. Well, the, in the tabernacle and later in the temple, thousands upon thousands of sheep and oxen and turtle doves were killed and their blood was spilled for the sacrifice of sin. All of this pointing toward the one full and perfect sacrifice that was to come. And that was the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, on our behalf as our high priest, offering his own blood as a sin offering for our atonement. 700 years before Jesus hung on that cross, in the 53rd chapter of Isaiah, what Jesus did was described for us. You see, it was foretold long before Jesus ever came on the scene here on earth. In Isaiah 53, 6, let's go back up to 4. Surely our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he carried, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. Beginning with verse 5. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. 
the chastening, that is the punishment for our well-being, that is our peace, our peace with God and our peace with our surroundings, our peace in life, the chastening for our well-being fell upon him and by his stripes we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. Well, a thousand years before Jesus came, Psalm 1, Psalm, I'm sorry, Psalm 24, Psalm 22 uh, was penned by uh, David. And so here is a thousand years before Jesus ever came to earth. The passage starts off, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The words that Jesus uttered upon the cross, and then it goes on and it describes his crucifixion to a T. Even the soldiers surrounding him as he was being crucified. And so we have all of these things promising and foretelling the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And finally, Jesus came. He came and he died upon the cross. And his death was the fulfillment of all the prophecy and all the promises that had been given up to that point. And Revelation 13, 8 proclaims that he was slain before the foundation of the world. You see, brothers and sisters, he came to die. He planned to die. He lived to die. He was born to die for you and for me. Throughout the scripture, we see this picture of blood being shed. But this is where the misunderstanding comes in more than anything else is what does that mean to us? It's more than just a mental assent. It's more than just acknowledging with our heads. Somehow what Jesus did on that cross 2000 years ago must be personally appropriated for us in us. We must uh, receive what he did for us. And if it's not actually received, it is of no avail to us. And so what does it mean to us? First of all, as far as we look at the power of the blood, his blood redeems us. There was a price against us that we could not pay, but the blood of Jesus has redeemed us. His blood brings us into fellowship with God. According to Ephesians 2.13, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh through how nice you are, through how good you are, through how sorry you feel about what you've done. No, none of those things have the power to take away your sin. Nothing but the blood of Jesus made nigh by the blood of Christ. His blood, as we read in Isaiah, brings us peace with God. 
Man by nature winds up separated from God, at war with God, running from God, and we can only come to God on his peace terms. Not on our terms, not on something that we get together and unanimously vote upon, but on his terms, the blood atonement. The Bible says in Colossians 1.20, and having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself. His blood cleanses. Not only does it remove the punishment of sin, it removes the pollution of sin. I don't care what sin you've committed or what sort of sin someone has committed against you. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin, it says. His blood gives us power over the devil. It's the blood that Satan fears. It's not how good we're trying to be. It's not anything except the blood. If he can keep you trying to be good, if he can keep you uh, looking anywhere but at the blood of Jesus, he's won a victory. Because if you haven't appropriated personally the blood, God's not going to see it when he passes over. And so this brings us to our testimony. He overcame by the blood of the lamb, or they overcame by the blood of the lamb and their testimony. I know there are a lot of people that they're really, they really get uptight whenever you talk to them about sharing their testimony. And I don't understand why. I used to, but I don't anymore. In fact, the last time I shared my testimony was yesterday about three o'clock because I am so grateful for what God has done me, done for me through the presence and the power of his blood at work in my life. And I was sharing with another young man, 48 years old, young man that had only been a Christian for two years. And so we shared our lives in Christ and how we got started together. And this is what your testimony is. You'll see there at the bottom of your sheet that there are three parts to your testimony. My life was like this. And then I received Jesus as my Savior and my Lord. Since then, my life has been like this. The thing is, if there's no place for the blood of Christ and you personally appropriating it for your personal sin, you don't have a testimony. And that's probably why you're hesitant to share your testimony because you can only share what you have. And that is something that's been given to each one of us that has personally received what Jesus did on the cross for him as effective for us. That's when we appropriate the cross and his blood. It's when we recognize that there's nothing that we could do, nothing to wash away our sin, nothing to cleanse us from any pollution in our lives, nothing could do anything for us. And yet, whenever we couldn't do anything ourselves and nobody else could do anything for us, Jesus, looking down through eternity, 
slain before as the Lamb of God before the foundation of the world, God saw you and he knew you were going to mess up and he knew you were going to separate yourself from him and he knew he loved you and he knew he wanted you to be with him in heaven. And so that's why Jesus came and that's why his blood was shed. It is so simple and so clear and yet people want to make it so hard. But the main thing is, is that you've got to, first of all, faith has to be in him and his blood. In fact, look in your Bibles at page, uh, not in your Bibles, in your hymnals on uh, page, uh, let's see here, on page 29 in your hymnal. If you look down in the bold print toward the bottom of the page in the prayer there, about a third of the two thirds of the way down, most humbly beseeching thee to grant that by the merits and death of thy son, Jesus Christ. And let's read this together. Faith in his blood. Have you ever noticed that before? Faith in his blood. That is one of the most important things for us to put our faith in is that his blood is a full and sufficient sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. Not what we do, but what he did. And it's official in the United Methodist Church that we have faith in his blood. And I love what it says on down the last line and all other benefits of his passion. All the other things that he brought to us by bringing us peace with God when we had been at enmity with him before. This is World Communion Sunday when people around the world are obeying Jesus and remembering what he did by offering his body to be broken and his blood to be shed for the sins of the whole world, a full and perfect sacrifice. I want to encourage you today. If you haven't personally, if you haven't personally appropriated what Jesus did by shedding his blood on the cross for you, if you haven't done that, when you come and receive the elements today, as you remember what he did, as you're receiving them in your hands Receive what he did for you. With God, there is no time. There is no time. He is outside of time. And so whenever he died on that cross, it was for the moment that you received his forgiveness. I remember whenever I met him personally, it was a wonderful moment in my life when I was just in the presence of his love and his peace. You couldn't see him but his Holy Spirit was there in such a way that he was right there and he let me know everything was taken care of. I would say, but what about, that's what I died for, Joel. But what about, it's covered. I died for you and for everyone else who will receive what I did on the cross for them. And that's his message to you this morning that he died for you and anything that you feel is being held against you. He paid the price for it. 
And so you are free to approach the throne of grace gladly and boldly, cleansed and washed, not because of what you have done, but because of what he has already done for you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.